everyone. Welcome to the spooky season of Dungeons and Diapers. I am Crofton Steers, one of your two hosts with the two most. And with me is the guy who's with me every Halloween and every pretty much two weeks of the year. I'm talking about Ryan Murphy. Ryan, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Happy to talk about Halloween once again. Uh, as you said, we are in the spooky season. We've been watching um, we've been watching a, a new Halloween movie every week with the kids. We watched our first one last week. It was, uh, um, and we can talk about this in, in the main topic, but it was uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, and the kids love it. I don't know. See, I, I when you started saying that, you're like, we've been watching a new Halloween movie every week with the kids. <laughs> I just assumed that you were watching the Michael Myers Halloween slasher films. With your yeah, children. of course. You're like, Caden, like, this is a good one. The kills in this one are off the charts. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think for Halloween movies, uh, there, there aren't a lot of like kids picks, right? There are not. There's not. I was thinking about Halloween as a season in terms in terms of movies and in terms of music. Like if you go to a Halloween party and you're, somebody has made a Halloween party playlist, you go to a Christmas party. Every artist worth their salt has put out a Christmas album or a Christmas single or a Christmas whatever. And there's all these stone cold Christmas classics that you could have on rotation. You go to a Halloween party. They play Monster Mash, they play Thriller, and then pretty much at that point, it's going to be some deep cut Halloween song from some rando band or something. But like, there's not much. And it's the same with, with you're right, kids' spooky movies or Halloween-y movies. Like, I think The Nightmare Before Christmas has kind of got, like, I don't want to say a monopoly, but pretty close. And you can even make an argument that's a Christmas movie, too. It is. Yeah, and I, I jokingly said to... The kids, I paused it at the point where um, Jack Skeleton falls into Christmas land. I said, okay, and we'll pick this up in December. Uh, they didn't like that joke. They, um, Dad! Yeah. Oh. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, but Crofton, I have a surprise for you. Is it a present? Uh, I don't know yet. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's kind of a weird way to, to say that. Is it a PS5? It is not a PS5. I'm sorry. Um, God it's damn not a PS5. It. So, you know, this is the year of the watches, right? You know, we had Book Watch, we had Strike Watch, we had uh, Comedy Watch, um, Ring Fit Watch. Uh, am I missing any? There's other ones. PS5 oh, yeah. Watch? <laughs> yes, the, uh, the PS5 Watch. So I've been living a lie because honestly, uh, for the last like nine months that we could have had another watch for this show. And I've, I kind of kept it close uh, to my chest. Uh, this, this thing that could have been a watch. So um, I'm here to announce that uh, after, you know, nine months of waiting, um, I got a vasectomy. Oh my Ryan. Yes. Okay. When you say something took nine months specifically. I know. Yeah. What? What, what do you know? <laughs> oh, you I know. know. It's okay. You, you, I thought you were about to tell me that you guys had another kid. No, we did not have another kid. 
but but I'm just like <clears throat> the way it, you know after nine months of waiting, Crofton, I'm gonna surprise you. I'm like, oh my god, they've had another kid. He kept this a secret. This is insane. Ashley's been pregnant this whole time. It's just nuts. And now he's back in the diapers for realsies. And then of course it just complete swerve in another direction. Boom, vasectomies. Holy moly. So, okay, Ryan, how was it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it, so here's the thing. Like, um, I want to let everyone know at home that we are not going to get into any gory details. Uh, and you will have timestamps to skip this. If you, if you really don't feel comfortable uh, hearing about what is essentially an operation, right? So, you know, some folks, you know, they don't want to hear about it. Wait, Ryan, before you, I do want, I do want to know some stuff, but I also think that this would make a good topic for an episode. Yes. As, as well. So it's like, I think just, We'll try to walk that line of, of, of I want to know about like, so you were waiting, when you say nine months, do you mean like you were on a nine month waiting list or that you knew that it was happening in nine months? Well, okay. So um, this is going to be specific to like our experience here in Ontario, Canada, obviously it's different. And um, I know uh, our mutual friend, Alex Albisu uh, talked about his vasectomy when he uh, had it done years ago on uh, the Dad Chronicles. Just to be clear, he did not have it done on the Dad Chronicles. <laughs> no. He 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 talked about it after it was done on the Dad. Yeah, okay, good. He did not live cast his vasectomy. That did not okay. happen. Uh, but essentially, so essentially, the the joke, and of course, I knew exactly what I was doing when I when I did the nine month joke. I thought that would be funny, and it was. And it paid off. Um, but essentially, I got a referral in November. Um, and I waited. I didn't get a call. I just, the referral was made by the doctor. And I didn't get a call till August. And the math isn't exactly like nine months. But again, the joke. So uh, in August, I get this call from uh, this nice receptionist that's saying like, hey, I'm calling to book your vasectomy. And I'm like, wow, that was a long wait. Like literally sitting here waiting for this call for nine months and kind of dreading it, to be honest. Uh, and they're like, yeah, we're going to book your appointment. So like from November, getting the referral all the way to the appointment, which was in uh, with, uh, the end of September. And uh, yeah, it was a a long process, a lot of waiting because it is an, it is a uh, non-essential elective surgery. And obviously it, it gets bumped quite a bit, right? It Yes, no, I would imagine so. There's this guy in Ottawa or around our area that was like known as like the vasectomy doctor. And like when he retired, like it was a big deal. People like he announced it well ahead of time, and people were like, you know, rushing to book their vasectomies before this guy retired. Um, and so, so, uh, but in, in your case, like the way that it, it, it is like you're booking as part of like this general surgical booking system so that like vasectomies are obviously not going to be the priority surgery. Is that the deal? Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not the priority at all. And I, you know, um, I had, I had, you know, a chance to, to speak with the receptionist on the phone about it. And it was kind of like, yeah, my wife was actually bugging me to call because the referral was in November and now we're in August. And I kept saying to Ashley, like, they're going to call me, they're going to call me. I'm not going to rush them. It's not, 
critical, you know, there are probably people jumping ahead of the line and they're just waiting for an opening. And, um, and sure enough, the, the lady on the phone was like, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I, I usually do my calls and usually people don't pick up and people usually definitely don't like return calls when I leave a voicemail. So she was pretty impressed that I even picked up the phone and booked the appointment. Cause, uh, it, it sounds like a lot of, a lot of guys uh, avoid it, but, um, the experience like in having that conversation on the phone, uh, they obviously deal with this a lot, you know, having these conversations with men who are going in for vasectomies and having the surgery done and stuff. And, and, uh, they all make the joke. Like even, I think even the doctor made the jokes like, Oh, don't worry. You're in good hands. And I'm like, okay, perfect. <laughs> Great. That sounds, that sounds good. I guess, I guess I just have to trust you. That's what you want to hear. You're in good hands. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it was uh, so that and then I had my appointment a couple of weeks after that call and I went in and, um, you know, I, I remember listening to Alex's sort of chronicle of it. And I think he said he was under for the whole thing, like he was out. Uh, that was not the case uh, for me. I was literally dropped off. Ashley brought a book. She stayed in the parking lot. I walked over to the clinic. I was in and out in an hour. It was it was quick. It was very quick. <laughs> and um, once again, while I was in there in the waiting room, like the 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 receptionist is like, "Don't worry, it's really nothing. It, you're in and out in 15 minutes. It's not a big deal." And uh, yeah, they weren't kidding. Yeah, take the receptionist. Yeah, sorry, lady. Um, they're gonna be. <laughs> they're gonna be. Uh, shoving some knives and scissors around my bits. I'm sorry if, if I don't take the receptionist word <laughs> on it's not going to be a big deal. Well, I, she says, so she's, she was talking to me about it and I said like, well, you, you know, like, do I look, do I, 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 I didn't say it with quite as like a antagonistic way, but I said, do I look nervous? I, I don't feel super nervous, but I feel a little nervous. And she's like, no, no, I just, I have, I have folks coming in all the time, you know, for this. And I know, I know they're, I know people are nervous. So. Except this is how, this is how you said, do I look nervous? Cause I don't feel nervous. I don't know why you think I'm nervous. Do I look at, do I look, look, this sweat is, I'm a heavy sweater. I sweat like this all the yeah. time, you know, like, so don't worry so about I, it. Don't worry about it, lady. Come on. <laughs> why the ninth degree? Why the ninth degree? No, they were all really nice. And, um, you know, like it's it's all done with local freezing. Uh, so it was, you know, it was not pleasant. So you're conscious the whole time you're not knocked out. Well, <laughs> no, I'm not knocked out. I was I was awake the whole time to the point where the guy who was doing the surgery um, is very talkative. He was having a conversation with me about work and uh, everything. And, and so I was like trying to carry the conversation. Trying to carry the conversation <laughs> while he's doing all this, and then and then he he says to me, he says like, "Well, there are two of them, uh, so we're half done. So just uh, just hang in there a little bit longer." And I'm like, "Great!" So then I stopped talking to him. <laughs> yeah, not not because I was being mean, just because I was like, "Oh gosh, we're still going here." Dude's got to concentrate. Yeah, I, I wanted him to concentrate, so I just focused on the radio that was playing overhead. Like, again, I'm just like laying on a, a normal doctor's office bench, staring at the ceiling, trying not to think about it. And, uh, and then while he's doing the second half, um, he, he asked like, Oh, are you okay? And I'm like, Nope, I'm fine. I just, you know, just 
it just focusing on the radio, just trying to be <laughs> trying to get through this. Do you remember what was playing on the radio? I, uh, you know, at the time I thought this was very a very fitting song, but I can't. I honestly can't remember now. Yeah, I, w- I was thinking, I'm trying to think of a good one to make a joke with, but I didn't have one. I'm sure it'll come to me after and I'll be like, God damn it, that would have been the perfect one. It was like an easy listening radio station. Uh, you know, it wasn't the boys are back in town. It wasn't that. <laughs> boys are back in town. <laughs> That that that'd be like a reverse vasectomy, like Michael Scott. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but um, so so then then you're out, and then uh, so when was this, Ryan? Like how many days ago? So this was uh, two two weeks in a bit. So um, I know we pushed the show a little bit. This would have honestly, it would have been um, we would have recorded, I think, just after the week mark. So we're at the two week, just after the two week mark. So like in terms of recovery. Yeah, that was my question. Yeah. So essentially like you walk out of there to the point where when I was done, like no one was talking to me. No one was like, you know, making here's, eye here's contact. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's like no one's like, you know, when you leave a doctor's office, they're like, okay, you know, take two of these and we'll, we'll see you in the morning type thing. I already gave you two of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, they're like the pills. I'm like, all oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, no pills, no pills. Essentially, I like I was saying to them, say, well, I'm taking leave uh, from work. So do you have like an appointment card or something I can have to like, prove that I was here? So like, I had to wait for them to give me that. They were like, just happy to have me leave the, they were like, okay, you're done, go. We've got like six other people waiting here. Not for vasectomies, a lot of like what I would assume is, you know, like it's a urology clinic. So it's like kidney stones, stuff like that. Right, right, right. Yeah, okay. So I was the youngest person in the office. We'll just put it at that. Like, there was a lot of older uh, folks. Well, Ryan, um, it's not a competition. And often, no. often, and I will just say, like, as it should be painfully obvious at this point, sorry for the use of the term painful, um, It is that I have not had a vasectomy. Yeah, so I assume we will have, when we do the topic, it'll be after. You've already made the appointment you're uh, you're you're good to go. You can just play this segment for Jess, right? And she'd be like, "See, it's not that hard." It definitely is a an element of discussion right now, and it has been with some of my friends as well. Who, who like have been like, "So, what's the deal? Like, who's got a vasectomy? Where did you go? Like, how was it?" So, I, I was very interested in in hearing hearing uh, some of that. But in terms of the recoup time, just like you 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 know, like was uh you know, it it sounds very like as elective as you say. You go you go back to the car, you head back, and then it's like how, how like the next day. How are you feeling? So uh, the recovery is essentially um, so. Like I said, like you're. I was awake for the procedure. There was you know there was no pain. It was just like discomfort. It's like um, it, so so that wasn't so bad. But afterwards, like in terms of recovery. Like you're still frozen, so you don't feel anything. But they say, like, look, like once the freezing goes away, you're gonna want to have ice there to just kind of and relax. So the first evening, it was just laying on the couch uh, with with some ice packs, and you know that you call it a day. But they said the next day, like you're probably gonna be feeling a lot better, and then every day after that, you'll be you'll be feeling even more better. So um, it was about maybe like uh two or three days of so the first night of just relaxing and then the next two days of just taking it easy but like i was mobile i wasn't like stuck on the couch but after a 
a day of sort of moving around, I was like, I was back on the couch in the evening just to, just to take it easy. I can imagine how listeners are feeling right now, because right now I am, I am, uh, have noticed that I have both my hands on my groin and I'm I'm kind of leaning forward towards my microphone. So, uh, so, so we can pause, we can pause it there. And that's why I gave people the option to skip it. Cause again, like I, I get that it's not, so it's not an easy thing to hear, and uh, but I think it's important because I mean the alternative. Oh yeah, the alternative is uh, and and funny enough, like my dad and my father in law both never had the surgery, so oh, of really? course when when having those conversations, they were like, "Oh yeah, I could never do that," and I'm and I'm like, they didn't really have to, uh, so they didn't do it. But I know some folks like when you when you hear about like the other side of it. You know, the mother having the surgery done or, or whatnot, it it has long term effects and the recovery is is takes forever. I mean, yes, for sure. That that's like a, a very much more invasive surgery. Yes. I think it's great. I think it's great that you talk about it. I think it's great that Alex talked about it as well. I just think I think it's one of those things that is like people need to talk about more. Just like, you know, there's a couple of things surrounding family and reproduction and all of this, including like miscarriages and stuff that people just don't, don't talk about. And I, I think that vasectomy is not to that level, but are, are similar in that people will not, you know, not talk about it. And, uh, and yeah, I, I think that I also th- say, you know, good on you for, for uh, getting it done. Cause as you see, it's an elective surgery. It's not something that you needed to do, but it is something that is like nice for, Ashley and and all that um and and for you and like I just think it's yeah I think it's good I I, I but I totally get where you know I totally get the like calling making the appointment and then being like I hope they never call me and then they do and, and then they do call you and you're like oh finally months later you know like yeah. it's like a, a slow burning suspense film so anyway congrats that was uh I think that was the that was the roughest part was like the build up and waiting for the appointment and it was just a whole long process. And I had to basically like have it leave my mind and even say to Ashley, like, don't ask me to call. They'll call me. Like I'm trying not to have it front and center of my mind. Cause if I do, it's just, it's just going to live there. Uh, rent free, you know, front and center, <laughs> you know? So I, um, it was a wait, it got done. And like I said, the recovery was nothing actually funny enough. Four days after the surgery, I was at Canada's wonderland all day with the kids walking around and and stuff. So like, yeah, it's not something that's going to lay you flat. Like I know, like some people say no heavy lifting, none of this, none of that. But like, really the guy who's saying to me, like when he was asking about my job, I said, I do social media. And he's like, Oh, well you, you can just, you can go back to work tomorrow. And I'm like, well, I got time off. So I'm taking it to recover. But yeah. Oh, I'm going to milk it. Like, no, no, tomorrow, even to Jess, like, I'll be like, oh, my goodness, I'm laid up for a week. I can only play video games here. That's what the doctor said. Well, by no means did I feel like, honestly, like, you know, that great, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. two days. But by the weekend, I was feeling a, a much better. Um, Sweet. And now it's like it's nothing. So, like, again, two weeks post up it's like nothing so well maybe in the maybe in the notes this episode we can say like first 20 minutes spent talking about ryan's dick and and then people (laughs) people people will know like move move forward i think we can be a little clearer than that well that's why i don't do the notes that's why you don't do the notes 
That's right. So, Ryan, without further ado, uh, let's move on from your vasectomy into uh, the dungeons, which uh, I didn't – that's a sentence I never thought I would say out loud, but <laughs> here we are. Um, so, uh, so yeah, let's, uh, let's go, go forth and let's start by talking, and because it is the spooky season um, – it, we're talking about something that is a little bit spooky, uh, but also a little bit cozy, weirdly. And that is the only Murders in the Building show. We, t- I, I, My wife and I finished watching season three. Uh, are you – I know you watched previous seasons. I think you were watching watching this season. Are you guys, Have you guys polished it off as well? Yeah, we're all wrapped up. Uh, Ashley and I uh, finished this one off. Um I think it finished a couple of weeks ago. And what did you what did you think of this season? Spoiler, no spoilers. Just like, what did you think of this season? Yeah, that's a great question. Like the 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 struggle I have, and I think I inherited this struggle from you for this season, not necessarily the second season, but was like, how do you how do you keep going? How do you explain murders happening in this building connected to these three podcasters who are who are you know sort of friends that are best of friends when they're recording a podcast and I and I and I think that uh, that was always like how are they going to do that and I liked the flip that they had at the beginning of the season even though there still was a murder but I I appreciated that sort of twist at the beginning and you know you bring in all these stars uh you know Paul Rudd and Meryl Streep and and all that and um the, the show had its cameos in the past but these are actors that are throughout the whole season now so like it's crazy the folks that they're able to bring in. But yeah, I really I really enjoyed it. I thought that um it followed a, a similar sort of typical trend um you know in terms of like it's finding out who the killer is and, and whatnot. But um yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done and um I really love Martin Short and Steve Martin, so like they they can do no wrong, right? So I thought it's when it so this this season um what surprised me in a positive way because at the end of season two, what they do in the only merge in the building is they end each season with um, the murder that will be investigated in the, the following season. So we saw the murder uh, or at the end of season two. And I was um, not very excited about that. Like creatively mur- the, or the, first episode of murders in the building of the entire series opens with a murder that takes place at the very end of that season. And that murder is investigated in season two. So for the first two seasons, it feels like, I don't want to say tight, but it feels like that they're, you know, telling a story that maybe might've been thought out, planned out. Then at the end of season two, there is a time jump. And there is then there there's a change of scenery and all of this, and then there's a murder. And I remember at the end of season two, thinking to turning to Jess and being like, "Well, season three is not going to be like it's going to be the the jump the shark season, if you will." And so I found that this because a there's that that, and I don't want to go into that twist that you mentioned about regarding the murder itself, but that was clever enough to, to make me think, okay, okay. You know, maybe they haven't lost their mojo, but, but this was the goofiest of the three seasons by quite a wide margin. 
And I thought that um, it made it really, really enjoyable to watch week to week. And yet I still found myself trying to solve the mur murder mystery. And I always think murder mysteries, when you're at a point where you're no longer trying to solve the mystery and like Jesse and I would be having these conversations, okay, it can't be so-and-so because it can't be this and that or whatever. We're having these conversations after the show. You know that they're, they still got you on the hook. I thought, unfortunately for season three, the worst episode of the entire season, the one that I thought was least good was the ex final episode. Um, and, uh, you know, I just I didn't think it was particularly great, and um, which is too bad. But that said, um, I thought the, the the tease for the following season was very good, and so it meant that overall, I thought it was a really really enjoyable season, at least as good as the second season, if not even slightly better. And I just have to repeat, like we've talked about the show a few times on the podcast, there really isn't much out there like this show, and I know that there's going to be more, like TV executives are eyeing this show. Um, I read an article the other day in The Hollywood Reporter that was talking about like how Disney is uh, is going through this existential crisis with regards to Marvel shows and trying to make them more like traditional TV. And a lot of people are looking at the model of Only Murders in the Building and how they've done this, which is not, you know, part of me is is happy for that but the other part of me is is like you know do your own thing but but i do i do think that what they've succeeded in doing here is having like an entertaining breezy comedy with great characters that actually develop and have relationships both between each other and outside of um the group that 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 develop over time that change and evolve over time um as well as a mystery that you want to solve as well as funny comedy and really not much in the way of stuff that would make you not want to watch it uh it has a wide variety of age groups it's a show that i literally refer to everybody and tell them that they would like it like there's nobody sometimes i'd be like like i'm gonna talk about cyberpunk edge runners in a second which is an anime show on Netflix and it's a great show. I'm enjoying it, but I would never refer that to my mom. Um, yeah. You know, like uh, whereas only murder is a building. I would refer to, to my mom and I would also refer to, to my friend, Bo, who would, who would enjoy cyberpunk edge runner. So it's like, they're completely different audiences and only murders in the building seems to like, would be appealing to all of them. Is, is and, and I think that that's like, I don't even know how you walk that tightrope. But all told, they didn't jump the shark in season three. And I think they've set themselves well up for season four, although we're well past that diehard situation of how can the same shit happen to the same people over <laughs> and over. Uh, I think there's a certain level of you're willing to go with it because of, it's so enjoyable. However, I don't think they can go past season four. I think season four really has to wrap it up. So uh, and and I think that would be great. They would have four great seasons, and it's even a show that I could see myself at one point rewatching. In fact, after finishing season three, I was like, "Oh, it'd be good to go back go back and watch season one." I, you know, I've only watched any of the episodes one time, but I've enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, there's um there's a great episode of uh, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, which is another podcast, um, not as popular as ours, but mm -hmm. it, you know, it has some listeners. No. Uh, and they had Martin Short and Steve Martin on and they were talking about this show. And I and I think the person who's most excited for a season four is likely Conan O'Brien because he was begging for a cameo. Um, and I think that uh, I, I think you're right. Like, I think season four, I think we've said this a couple times, but especially before season three came out, like this has got to be their last one. 
And I think because they tried something completely different where like the focus of season three wasn't necessarily on the building. It was more uh, about this play that was being worked on. And that was kind of the primary focus. And it allowed them to do some different things with, you know, musicals and and different set pieces. Uh, But the building still comes into play, of course, because it is only murder in the only murders in the building. Um, But this fourth season, I think, has a chance to like kind of bring it back to its roots with uh, this cast of characters, as well as focus on the building um, and the characters surrounding it. But I, I agree, it probably has to be their last one. They're probably thinking that, too. I mean, there's even a lot of meta jokes in season three about the fact that this keeps happening, you know, um, that a, a certain character has had things happen to him a bunch this season, you know, through stress and stuff. And I, and I think there's, there is that nod from the actors in the writer's room of like, yeah, we know, we know that we've, we've had three seasons and we're going to go for a fourth. And I don't see this show failing. I see it ending on a high note. And I think they're aware of it. I don't think they're sitting there being like, well, we have to do this until we get canceled. Like, I think they are they are looking at this as like a complete product, right? Right. It, it, and like, I mean, the Martin Shorten and Steve Martin in particularly, d- particular don't need to do a show like this no. anymore. Like in their careers, like they, they this is like almost, the, almost a victory lap for them at this point. And so, I mean, you know, they – they're not going to necessarily feel the need to milk it, but they're probably, and you know, I think I could tell from watching it very much enjoying making it, you know? And so that that's something that we can't on the other side of the camera. Sometimes people will just continue doing stuff because it's a gas making it. And um, I, you know, like now that there's celebrities that, that are coming in. And when I saw like the, the Meryl Streep's and the Paul Rudd's, I thought that maybe like they would kind of like, I don't want to say rest on their laurels, but oh, we're gonna have a little fun on the show. But they they killed it. Like both Meryl Streep and Paul Rudd did amazing in the roles that they were given, and uh, was a uh, was really good good uh, character. It, it was it, like there was some suspension of disbelief that I needed. Like for example, Meryl Streep. I'm not sure if you've noticed, she was either in an episode a lot or not in the episode at all, and that meant that like you know they had to have booked her. Um, and they were like, okay, we've got Meryl for this day. So we're doing a, a Meryl focus episode or she's not going to be in the episode at all. And Paul Rudd, they, they was a little, you know, there was a lot of episodes he was not in, but they were able to, uh, for the most part, it was a similar deal. Like if he was in an episode, he was in it quite a bit. So it was very good though. Um, and it's a great like couple show, like to watch together with your significant significant other. So I'm glad um, because I still, and I, I know that I'm, I'm influenced by critics and stuff, but very much enjoyed Ted Lasso, but I have not watched season three of Ted Lasso yet. And part of that is because everybody's like, well, you know, it, it kind of falls off and it was falling off on season two uh, a bit already. And so, um, you know, what, when I watched the first season of Ted Lasso, the first season of only Millionaires in the building, I, I thought of them in the same way. And now, now I'm, you know, there's other shows like that, 
not to pick on Ted Lasso, but there's other shows like that that I've really enjoyed the first season or second. Like I still haven't watched the second season of The After Party yet, although it was releasing week to week. My understanding is that it might not be quite as good as the first season, which is, you know, too bad. I am going to give it a shot, though, because it's very much in the same vein as Only Murders. But yeah, good, good, uh, good show. Uh, Ryan, I'm going to go right into cyberpunk unless you wanted to talk about something else. No, I'm, I'm excited to talk about cyberpunk. So, uh, two things. One, um, I'm watching the cyberpunk anime, which I, I, I talked about cyberpunk edge runners. And for those who don't know, which is probably very few at this point, cause this anime has been out for well over a year. Um, it, it, uh, it is sort of part of the redemption story of this video game, Cyberpunk 2077. Um, the when the I'm not an anime guy. First off, like I'm gonna wear that right off. Like there's not and and I would say I like this show despite it being an anime um, because there's still anime stuff about it that drives me nuts. But um, but uh, but yeah, it it's uh, it's a ten episode show of which I've watched eight episodes. Uh, and so I have two episodes left to watch. And the way that I'm watching them is very interesting because I'm, I often watch one or two episodes, generally one, before I play a bit of Cyberpunk the game. And so it's really like I'm gorging on Cyberpunk 2077 content. And it's set in the world of Cyberpunk 2077, which itself is based on a tabletop game by this guy, Mike Pondsmith, from years ago. And it, the, the video game company has like... Uh, CD Projekt Red has turned into this 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 game, which has a noted history uh, and has just received an expansion pack that I think we're going to talk about in a second. But but the anime um, is being very interesting because tonally, it really is. I don't want to say a downer because uh, that might not be totally true, but kind of is. But it definitely like the gloss of cyberpunk, the video game and, and like you're in the sometimes takes away from the fact that you're in this world that really sucks. That is like run by these giant mega corps, mega corporations that everybody's sort of enslaved to in some way, shape or form. And you kind of lose that a little bit. And then there's of course a lot of crime because of people trying to escape people trying to get out of the rat race and this, and you are part of that. And that's part of the, the feeling of escapism of playing a video game, especially a game in which you can reload and do all sorts of different things. But when watching the, the anime that's about and see this, this guy's life sort of unfurl and, and fall apart in night city. Um, it's, there is a, there is an element where like it, it's, it makes you appreciate the, the world that, 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 that Mike Pondsmith created and the CD Projekt Red has um, polished. Uh, it, anyway, I've been enjoying it a lot. Although, you know, for me, it was a tough hang at the beginning because I don't like anime. Uh, and so starting to watch it, I had to, you know, like I, I didn't, I didn't gorge episodes, even though there were sort of cliffhangers at the beginning took, and, and it, 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 before, the main character reaches sort of a part where it's kind of more similar to the game where he's joined a gang and he's doing gigs and different things. There, there is a, there is an opening to it. And, uh, and, and it took me a while to sort of slog through that. 
which I think, you know, it's not that it's bad. It's just that like it picks up. And so now I'm, now I'm, I'm quite into it and I'm really interested to see the last two episodes. However, everything is pointing towards a sad ending, uh, which is going to suck, whatever, but such is life. I'm in it to win it. Now, Ryan, have you seen the show? Yeah, I watched it uh, when it came out. Um, was it last year or was it the year before? I'm trying to remember uh, when it came out, but um, let I me really guess. enjoyed it. Ashley did not watch it with you. Oh, hell no. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, uh, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. So, you know how Ashley and I will watch a lot of Marvel stuff together. Uh, the one Marvel series we did not watch together was what if, and I played one episode for her and she's like, Oh, it's animated. No, no thanks. And that was, <laughs> <the end of> it. <laughs> so, you know, um, not that that would have been the main cause to stop her, but like, I think that, uh, the world of cyberpunk, um, it doesn't really interest her. Although we, we, I was playing uh, the game and I was like, uh, it was a, a, a moment in the expansion with, with Idris Elba, uh, on screen. And I'm like, Ashley, like, that's a famous actor. Do you know who that is? And she's like, she's like no. Samuel L. Jackson. no. No, uh, that's a callback to our Captain Marvel episode. Uh, but uh, no, she did not know who it was. And I'm like, oh, that's Idris Elba. He's like a famous actor and, and he's in a bunch of movies. Maybe some we've seen. And then I try to think, like, is there a movie we'd seen? And all I could think about was he's the voice of Knuckles in Sonic 2. And uh, that didn't help either. That was <laughs> what you came up with. Yes. So I always come up with for Idris Elba. He's, he's, he is famous in my eyes for the voice of Knuckles in Sonic the Hedgehog. I too. just, in, in my mind, whenever you're talking to people about movies or whatever, <laughs> you, you're always bringing it back to Sonic 2 in particular. Yeah. You're like, it's like thematically very similar to Sonic 2. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, the redemption arc of Knuckles after he is working for the bad guy mistakenly and the performance of Jim Carrey. Let's not even go there. It's amazing. Um, but no, I love that anime. Uh, I'm not, you know, I I don't watch a lot of anime. I don't dislike anime. I like anime, uh, but I've just I don't think I've seen enough of it. Um, and uh, I've tried to watch a couple series on Netflix, but I think Edge Runners was the first one that I really latched on to. It captures that world so well. Uh, but like, as you said, it it is not, uh, it's not a happy-go-lucky story, you know? Um, it's just like the video game where, you know, the video game, your main character is dying. Like, and I don't know if you finished Cyberpunk 2077, but, you know, spoiler alert, it's not a happy ending. You know, I think no matter what way you go, it's not happy. But Cyberpunk, the game... There's constantly like jokes and dildos yes. and like there's yeah. just like it's just like like very over the top and and like there are moments particularly related to your friend Jackie in the opening that that are really poignant and poignant and really make me feel something but a lot of the game and and that may change when we talk about the expansion in a second a lot of the game is you know does not do that. Like is is just gigs or or plot being driven forward or what have you, and um, that's fine. Whenever that's video games, but but uh, 
But because of that, it never has like, you know, it never has a, that downer feel uh, that, that this anime sort of uh, develops early and kind of sticks to. But the anime has the bright colors. It has fantastic music. It has all this stuff that kind of keeps the energy high. And, and that makes it kind of like a, a gut punch when when the all the sort of bad stuff um happens right and so uh and i when i when i was thinking about ashley in particular i was thinking about the uber violence in in the anime which is funny because you know cyber cyberpunk the video game video games you shoot dudes in the head all the time not just cyberpunk tons of games you shoot dudes in the head but in this anime they make it so much that like you know like the 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 gore and blood explosions of like these cyber psychos going nuts even the opening scene of the first episode it's just like you know, like there's just some people you would show that to, and they're they would not even be able to make it through that scene. They'd be like, "This is disgusting. I can't, you know, I can't watch this or whatever." And I almost was like, "I was like, oh, this is." It was sort of reinforcing all I thought about a, a lot of what I think about anime, which is excess in many ways. And I was like, "Oh, I don't know about this." I'm really glad I stuck with it though. And so you know, sometimes appearances um, can deceiving but it has never stopped being super gross yeah yeah no and i think that's a good point i mean you've got 10 episodes in the anime in a video game you have tens of hours to kind of like spread out that because um in cyberpunk 2077 even though your character has limited time to live there is no ticking clock in real time like you can you can just focus on gigs we were actually joking about this on the gamers in of like if you want, you can just drive around Night City for weeks of in-game time and nothing happens. There are no uh, consequences to that. Um, there are scripted cutscenes where your character is appearing to suffer from his conditions, or his or her conditions, uh, but it doesn't, it's just narrative. It's not, it, 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 it reaches its conclusion at the end of the narrative when you get to that point. So you're right. The video game is more spread out. There are a lot of the gigs, a lot of the side quests, a lot of the main quests are just like sometimes have nothing to do with your critical condition. It's about you just being a merc in Night City. So you're right. It's a lot more spread out. And the anime is more focused in the sense that like it's very there's very sad stuff happening all the time. And it is a very bleak world where where you are constantly in danger of of being um killed so i'm glad you're watching the anime i really enjoyed it and honestly like even this conversation makes me think like maybe i could rewatch that and i never rewatch shows but i feel like i'm in cyberpunk mode i could rewatch it well you know and that's a good segue because cyberpunk mode is what i'm in too so i am you know, it, it started with me downloading the update for Cyberpunk 2077 uh, on the Xbox Series X. Um, this is the thing. Cyberpunk is one of the few games I own in two places. I own it on Good Old Games, which is the CD Projekt Red-owned sort of like Steam equivalent. Um, and I own it on, uh, so a PC. I own it on PC. And I own it on, um, what do you call it, uh, Series X. And... Uh, and yeah, so like I downloaded the the 2.0 and I had been talking about it during a previous episodes during the summer before Baldur's Gate came out. I was playing 
it in anticipation that I would play the expansion pack. And it just so happens that I kind of dropped at like, I don't want to say the ideal point, but a really good point to pick up and like hop into the expansion pack. But before I did that, I just like, I've been enjoying Baldur's Gate. I knew I wanted to take a little break from it because I've been playing a lot of it. I was interested in this. I, I I figured, let me just download the free 2.0 version. And for those who don't know, they patched the game, Cyberpunk, which had a really rocky launch three years ago. They patched it to change the entire skill tree. And like the skill trees in video games, you, you know, you get your skill points, you level up and all this. Cyberpunk based on a tabletop game, I thought would be really cool for this but in fact was awful at, at launch and i i played despite the skill trees and stuff like it was one of those ones where you could add a point to pistols and you would get three percent more pistol damage or something ridiculous like that like it was never really satisfying in terms of building a character um and so they reworked all of that like the whole game is the same but like they reworked the behind the scenes of how you build your character and how you place your skill points. And they added a couple of new skills and they added different things like that to make it really much more interesting. And at first it felt like a lot because I got all my points back and I was like, Oh God, where am I going to put these? Uh, and it's no longer like you can, you can't really spread them out in the same way that you used to. You got to focus and like kind of as play a role. And so I had to be like, okay, well, I'm instead of being also, you know, super strong and super good at tech, you know, there was a skill, there's a skill set in Cyberpunk, Ryan, called cool that doesn't exist in any other game that I know of, like the cool stat. And I never put points in cool really when I was playing it the first time when the game came out because there's these parts in the world where you get blocked and you can find shortcuts by being super strong putting stuff in strength, you can rip open a door or putting stuff in technical ability, you can hack in. Cool seemed like, like it had some benefits, like it increased damage with certain guns or different things, but it didn't seem really good. Whereas now it's, it's all about like, you can get dead eye and slow down time with your pistols. And I love that stuff. So I put a bunch of points on cool, but it means that I can't open any doors like I used to with strength and tech. So I had to give up something, but sometimes losing something makes it more interesting. And that's the case here. So I was really enjoying it. Uh, I really enjoyed that. I got used to it. I was just playing it. And then I was like, you know what? maybe I'll start watching the anime. And then I started watching the anime a little bit. And I, so I'm watching episodes. I'm playing the 2.0. I'm like, yeah, I should just shell out and buy Phantom Liberty and jump into it. And so last night I, sh I bought Phantom Liberty and played the entire sort of like introductory part of it last night, quite a, quite a couple, a couple of hours of it. And um, I had already gotten, because I had already kind of jumped into the 2.0 uh, I knew my character already. I understood them a little bit. I knew what they were good at, what, the, what, what they're, and so I was able to jump right into Phantom Liberty and have a good experience. Uh, have you? Are you into? Fan, have you? You probably already finished Phantom Liberty, is my guess. I haven't finished it. Um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a substantial chunk uh, through it. I haven't hit like the conclusion to it. It is an expansion that takes place within Cyberpunk 2077. Um, so you're not going to roll credits. I assume you're not going to roll credits on Phantom Liberty. It's just you finish the main narrative quests within Dogtown, which is the new area that unlocks. And then you probably head back out into the open world to continue, you know, the main narrative. But um, I did start from scratch. Uh, 
and I, I wish I had started from scratch with when the 2.0 update came out before the expansion, because I technically had the expansion while I was still trying to play um, my character from level one. And essentially, you got to play about 10 to 12 hours of gameplay before you even unlock uh, the first quest for Phantom Liberty. There is a point at which you have to hit, and essentially you have to resolve your um, work with the Voodoo Boys in um, Pacifica to get that first uh, call uh, for Phantom Liberty. And I, so yeah, I started from scratch and I kind of like came across that quest sort of in the narrative flow after um, dealing with Pacifica a little bit with the Voodoo Boys. So, and that expansion... I know we've talked about cyberpunk before, but you know, I think if you've played cyberpunk, most folks get to, or finish the portion of, uh, it's Capecchi Plaza, right? The hotel. Is that what it is? Yeah. 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 No, it's Capecchi. It's Capecchi Plaza. It's act, act one of the game. Essentially. Yes. Yeah. It is essentially, yeah, you're right. It's act one. And that whole portion is like one of the things people point to is like, man, that's like really good, section of the game yeah it's amazing and it kind of like introduces you to not only the world really well but all the characters you're going to be traveling alongside and some you're not uh but it gives you a really good sense of why this world is so fascinating and how cd project red has really set up these characters and dialogue and stuff and like it's it's come a long way from Witcher 1, 2, and 3. Like, if you look at Cyberpunk 2077 and you look at The Witcher, you're like, I'm kind of excited to see what they do with whatever The Witcher 4 ends up being because they've learned a lot with Cyberpunk. I, I feel like they've they really upped their narrative uh, game and their, their narrative presentation as well. That all being said, like, that mission in Act 1, the entirety of Act 1 they take that feeling and apply it to this expansion. And I feel like there are multiple missions and set pieces that take place within the expansion that, that kind of lean heavily into some of the set pieces and, and mission setups that you got in that act one sequence. Um, especially at the very beginning when you are, you know, you're trying to uh, save the president, um, which is in the trailers. So like I, it's yeah the one thing i'd say though about like so so act one in the game the whole there's a big heist sequence that takes place that culminates with you having keanu reeves stuck in your head right and that's like um and it's interesting you said that you get the call after the voodoo boys section because there's a lot of like side quest stuff that you do um after keanu reeves before that part or main quest stuff I mean, it it spirals out in different ways and you can do different things. It's funny because I had just finished the Voodoo Boys. Like, like it is, you know, I generally do it third, like after there's like uh, three ways you can go. And anyway, it's just so funny that it was just so perfectly aligned to where I was in the game uh, at at the time. But um, the act one, you get, uh, I get, you make very few choices, like uh, in a role-playing capacity you're kind of like you choose your origin at the beginning corpo street rat nomad and then like you get a little intro before that's related to your character 
uh, origin, but then you're into the same main plot of which you make really no choices. Like it's a ride. It's a ride that you go through, which is amazing. Like it's an amazing ride, but I think CD Projekt Red realized that like you can only do the ride so many times before you're like, okay, because the game, the decisions about like what mission to do, what side quests, gigs, things to do, like actual character building stuff, that happens after act one. It's really into act two. So to do this, so my understanding now is that you can jump right into act two. So my question to you, Ryan, as somebody who's far into the Phantom Liberty expansion, is it like, I, as much as I loved Act 1 and I loved the heist and I loved all these scripted set pieces and there's this moment where you're like in suspense because you're going to get busted and all of this in, in Act 1 of the, the main game. Is Phantom – but there's no choices. There's no – like it's a ride. For lack of a better term, it's a ride. Is is Phantom Liberty, because all it's been for me so far is a ride and I'm only at the introductory part. It's an amazing ride. But like – I'm just wondering, is it a ride all the way through or are you going to be making some large decisions or any decisions for that matter? Yes. The, it's really interesting that you say like that first section of Phantom Liberty feels like a ride similar to the start of uh, or the entirety of Act One. You aren't making a lot of decisions. You're along, you're along for the ride. You're saving the president and you're kind of brought in with the promise of this person can can cure your condition. Uh but after that mission, it does start to open up. Like, again, the world opens up again. You're able to leave Dogtown, come in and out. Uh, and the missions become a lot more um, choice-based. So, but, but keeping with the set pieces as well, like you're entering areas that you would not normally enter. Uh, so you are getting that set piece, but you're also getting these cinematic experiences uh the ride if you will um but it really turns into a spy thriller like after you finish that initial mission it literally becomes like a more mature 007 spy who did this who did that who can you trust and uh the missions really reflect that like there are there are legit missions and story narrative experiences where you feel like you are in a spy movie um and it fits so well. Uh, and they use the fact that your character is suffering from the relic to kind of make, like take a character that would like, why are we recruiting him to save the president? They use that relic as a narrative piece to say like, yes, it makes perfect sense that V is saving the president. But when you write that down on paper, it's like, why is my character so special that they're being recruited to save the president? And it all hinges on their performance. Um, it's a really they I th- I personally think they did a really good job of of weaving that in uh using V's That's sort awesome. of yeah, yeah they did a really great job so like yes once that first mission sort of wraps up and the world sort of opens back up and you're and you get back into the like give me a couple days to sort this out and I'll call you, you there's a there's a there's a bit of that and it kind of encourages you to go do other things within the world and there are, there are gigs and other side quests you can do within Dogtown um and but you keep coming back to those missions and they really lean into like the spy thriller aspect of it and there's um i don't want to spoil it but like there is a moment where you go on a mission and you're like the whole plan is to like sneak into this tower and 
you're trying to figure out how you're going to do that. So again, there's this plan and they even make reference to it. It's like, well, you know what? Hopefully this doesn't go as bad as the last time I snuck into a fancy hotel. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and it's, you know, that your character having honest conversations with these people that you just met. I do like that, that your, your characters, like not the character, like th- there's stuff that's happened to them already. And there's already been like in the early going, some conversations like that. And I'm like, Oh, this is, this is sweet because it feels organic to the game and not like, I'm in expansion territory now, you know, like I'm, it feels like you're in that cohesive world. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting. Like, I think this expansion did a really good job of continuing. Again, we go back, I go back to the narrative, uh, and the writing and, and just the way they've kind of constructed the design of the narrative in that they make it believable that these characters are forming bonds with V, even though they just met. And like, they're having these sincere conversations where it's like, we just met and we're having these conversations and it fits. You know, even like Idris Elba, who you you meet later on in the game, is like becoming good friends with you. You don't know if that's a a good thing or a bad thing, because, again, like it's a spy thriller. You don't know who to trust. But I really appreciate the way they kind of wrote it out because it it just fits, you know, like any other game. You'd be like, of course, the main character is best friends with everybody they just met. And like, you know, you have the Final Fantasy seven thing where it's like we're in a party, so we're going to get along and we're, we're going to save the world. It's like, it's different here. They've kind of set it up in a, in a way where like, you have to get along with these people because everybody has their own motives for, for trying to complete this mission. Um, but there's a really cool part of this one mission where you're sneaking into this hotel and you're undercover. And it really does feel like a spy movie where you're like trying to negotiate and navigate this undercover mission and there's a whole sequence where the gameplay is you having to have a strategic conversation with two people uh that you're trying to scan and you're you're being talked to over uh over comms like they're guiding you on how to progress through this this part of the of the mission and and uh you're having to make these decisions on the fly of like okay how can i get this person to react a specific way and they do a really great job of uh setting up these missions for different kind of gameplay like there are parts of the mission where you're running and gunning and then there are other parts of the mission where you don't even have a gun and you're just you're just you're just navigating it with conversation so they really you know when they said we're going to do one expansion for cyberpunk i was like oh man that's weird usually they'll do one or two uh, they'll do two at least but I, I see now why they are doing one because they like they put their best foot forward with this piece of content. There's a lot of gameplay in there. Uh, a lot of the, you know, systems that they upgraded are available to everyone. You don't need the expansion, although the relic upgrades are exclusive to the expansion. There's a lot in there. It's totally it's it's worth the price of admission for sure. I don't get like I know you're like, oh, yeah, you're further in it and so you can talk to that be like oh it's totally like i understand why they only did one expansion i do not and i'll tell you why um and i don't want to i don't necessarily want to be in a world where like you know game developers only make one world and iterate like just add to it and add to it and it's almost like an mmo in that way but i really do think for the amount of work that goes into creating an environment like night city and let's let's be honest like night city is not fully 
like there's you can't go into most of the buildings in night city like it's it's a lot of night city is window dressing uh and then there's like story areas or whatever all told you could carve out a lot more of the city that's what they did i was at in pacifica in my game when i downloaded the 2.0 and i was looking at where dogtown was and I'm like, I think that's where Dogtown is and where the expansion is. Like, I think it's in there. And, like, if you don't have the expansion, it's kind of like, you know, you see where it is. And, like, like I'm not – I didn't try to go into it in, in my game. But I, I'm curious if you could or if there is, like, a, an empty version of Dogtown or, or something like that. But, like, there's a lot more hollowing out of the city that I think that could be done. You could have tons – more stuff or quests that are in there. And I just think of all these poor developers that bend over backwards, making all these systems and this thing work, it takes them so many years and to be like, okay, now we're making Cyberpunk 2. And we're going to rebuild, either rebuild an entirely new Night City and a new engine or a new thing. We're going to enhance all of this, or we're going to build a new city somewhere else and do something else in a new story. I just feel like a lot of, and it's not, this isn't to pick on CD Projekt Red. I'm talking about a lot of these video game studios. Like they build these giant open worlds and then you go to like five places in them, then they roll credits, you know? And I'm like, what? Like, I get it. Like there's side missions and there's just different things you could do. You could just expand on that world. And like, I, you know, not having played Spider-Man 2, which is coming out soon. I think that that's kind of what they're doing. They're adding a couple of boroughs to New York City, they're, but they're they're keeping the core. So I'd like to see more of that. So I'm glad that CD Projekt Red have done that and organically be like, okay, now you're in Dogtown. And now this, but if they told me, like, do, if they had done a Witcher, a Witcher and being like, uh, you know, Witcher 3 had those two pieces of content, Heart, Heart, Heart and Iron or whatever, which was Heart like. Heart um, Stone, yeah. Arts of Stone, which was like in the existing world, like it wasn't you were going to a new place. It was in the existing world, but they added story. It was a story-based expansion. There's a couple of new areas you would go to within, but it was mostly new story. And then um, what's the other one, Ryan? Uh, Blood and Wine. Blood and Wine. And Blood and Wine is a whole huge new area. And like I, you know, I would almost, I could, um, like, I mean, if they, they skipped the, the hearts of stone and went right to blood and wine with this phantom Liberty thing, which is great. Like there's a new area with tons of stuff and blah, blah, blah. I love that. I'm not saying I don't, but I feel like they could, there's so much of night city that they could give you more, more of, uh, and you know, what's fun in the anime too is, and I, I mean, they didn't have to do this, but it is really cool that the characters go to all these places that you go to in the game. Some of them are very obvious, like Afterlife or Lizzie's Bar, or like these places that are, that are name dropped in the game that you go to in the game. But sometimes it's they're sitting on a roof, looking at the stars or something, or looking at the sky, and I'm like, I know where that is because mm-hmm. I've gone there in in the in my game, you know? And, and I just think that there's so much opportunity to, to, to carve out more. And I want to like hang out in night city more, you know? And like, I just feel like now after this, they're going to be like, okay, we're done. And we're going to move on to this next thing. It's going to take us a zillion years. And then it's going to launch in a horrible state. And then it's going to take us more years to fix it. And then this and that. And so like, it just feels like I'm not going to be sinking after this, my, my fingers into the next cyberpunk thing, uh, from CD Projekt Red for like 10 years. And that that's a bummer, you know, like, so maybe I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm uh, wrong. But. Well, I, 
man, I, I think you're half wrong. Um, in the sense that I think that they've they've obviously announced a Cyberpunk follow up. Um, they are moving to uh, a new engine. It's going to be Unreal, though. So like that's a positive. One of the issues with Cyberpunk 2077 was trying to build uh, this game on an engine that was built for you know the Witcher style games, like third person fantasy RPGs, that sort of thing. And that was a struggle. Um, there's there's many stories behind you know the struggles that they had with Cyberpunk 2077, and we won't be able to recap them all here. But the game kind of got its Hearts of Stone expansion or DLC through the patches that we saw. Like it's no it's no excuse for you know the way it launched, or by no means is it a replacement for the kind of content you're asking for, which is like a story based expansion within the existing world and you're right night city is big and underutilized so there's plenty of buildings you could be like okay we're gonna go into here here and here and offer some different opportunities for you to 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 have fun like there's a lot of unexplored um locations in that main world so you could have done like an additional story uh in there but I think with I think with the launch and the work they did with the patches, and then this expansion that they planned for, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they opted out of the Hearts of Stone DLC. Like I I think at one point there were two expansions they were planning because that seems to be their mo. But I think they did change their mind and and made the one yeah because they had to they yeah. had to focus on what they were doing but i looked at the cost of what it cost to make that one expansion and it is like two thirds of what it cost to make them to make the whole game like it was crazy it's like 80 million dollars or something ridiculous Whoa. plus plus marketing costs like it was really really expensive i mean idris elba does not come cheap obviously but wow. but like um but uh but yeah i anyway i like i'm looking forward to playing more i'm looking forward to to getting uh, more into it and experiencing what you you've seen so far. I'm looking forward to the two last episodes of Edge Runners. I feel like next episode of Dungeons and Diapers, I'll still be fully into Cyberpunk and be able to talk a lot more about it. I'm also excited to actually finish the main game. There is a point of no return, and that's where I got to when it came out. And it was just one of those weird things where I like I wanted to finish every gig and do everything before I moved it forward. And then I don't know what happened. I moved on to something else. So I've never actually seen, I know it has multiple endings past embers. Um, the mission where, where you're essentially uh, kicking off the, the end game. I haven't, I haven't done that. So there's a lot of good stuff for me to do and check out. And I'm excited to do that. But Ryan, before we step uh, into our topic of the week in the diapers, uh, I did want to say that this episode will likely be uh, released after the event dads assemble again. Uh, this time we we assembled and I, I don't know what happened, but I'm assuming I won. We were all against each other at, uh, at to raise money for sick kids playing N64 games on our switch. Uh, and uh, so so um, it would be interesting to 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 note, if my prediction of being victorious came true, but at the very least, there's got to be a way that people can can support uh, uh, your extra life campaign this year. Yes. So uh, next episode, we'll definitely have a full recap on whether Crofton was lying through his teeth or not about winning uh, or being good. I get the sense you're good at GoldenEye 007. So um, 
with a Nintendo 64 controller in 1999, whatever. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll see with the Switch controller in 2023 how I how I hold up. You had every opportunity to purchase uh, an N64 controller. We've been playing this event for a bit, so uh, no excuses, my friend. Well, I guess I just chose to give that money to charity and sick kids. But you're right, <laughs> yes. Ryan. I should have I should have bought right. a 64 controller instead. That's true. You heard it all here, folks. Crofton donated the equivalent price of an expensive wireless N64 controller. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you want to donate just like Crofton did and donate the equivalent uh, cost of an N64 controller in 2023, you can go to tiny.cc slash donate eventads. Donations are open until the end of the year. So um, you can go there at any point between now and December 31st. And of course, on our next episode, we'll have a full recap of the event uh, playing N64 games, uh, Battle of the... Um, uh, I don't know, Battle of the Battle of the Year. We're going to see how it goes. Uh, I feel like Crofton has a strong game for GoldenEye, but everything else is anyone's game. Supposedly there's Pokemon, so that's pretty much a guaranteed loss for me right there. The late edition of Pokemon Stadium minigames, uh, during our test, I, I booted it up and I was like, okay, yeah, we have to do this because... Um, Honestly, I here's my prediction for the stream, and and this will probably hold true, a hundred percent hold true, is that a majority of the stream will just be Ryan reminiscing about you know the nostalgia of playing the N sixty four with my uh, my brothers back in the day. We had four controllers, and we played all of these games to you know to death when we were kids, like just crazy amount of time playing N sixty four games. That was. Yeah, well, it's good. It's good. This is coming out after we did it because that's not a good sales job for the. Hey, come watch this stream where I'm just gonna talk about the good old days for yeah. 20 minutes while Crofton headshots us all in Goldeneye. That's not it. That's I can't do that. You can't aim that well in Goldeneye. No. Also, uh, also Ryan has also revealed that he's probably a shark at all the other games. So it will be interesting to see how it goes. All all of this will be in the past by the time you hear it. Yes, so. of course. I will edit this uh, and it'll be released after our Vendads. But it, it is in that weird, awkward phase of like we're recording this the day before event. But um, we'll talk about it next episode. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, no more time travel shenanigans we can uh we can move over to our topic which is still very timely it is speaking of the future and what is coming up what is coming up shortly is halloween and so i know ryan like you and i even before we did topics on this show we we spoke at length about halloween and how it goes and all of this sort of thing but i what i find interesting this year for me is I have a, and I think I may have even mentioned this on the show before, but like Halloween, I remember the year that I was most excited for Halloween in my life. And that was when I was in grade four and uh, I, I had a calendar and I was like counting down October all the way to the end. I was like, I just can't wait for Halloween. And it's, Fast forward to now, and I have a daughter, Gwen, who is in grade four, and she is super excited for Halloween, and she has a calendar in which she's scratching out days every night before she goes <laughs> to bed and saying, like, one day closer to Halloween. 
And I think grade four may, might be peak Halloween. Um, and uh, I'm except like she's gotten her costume and she's even decorated it and kind of made it a little bit better. She's just, she's a witch, but it's like a pretty awesome witch costume. Clara is going to be uh, Princess Peach and got a Princess Peach costume, which nice. is which is really good. So good, in fact, that it was photo day today at school, and she wore her Princess Peach costume to photo day at school. So while all the other kids are wearing their best sweaters, Clara's wearing a tiara, a wand, and looks and white gloves. Um, but uh, but yeah, so uh, they are ready to go, uh, and and uh, we're you know this weekend going to be be. Um, Planning the carving of the pumpkin and get get getting going. Sort of Thanksgiving's in the rearview mirror, so we're we're all all full steam ahead towards Halloween. Uh, R- Ryan, how goes it? Shea Murphy's in prep for Halloween. You've already gotten scared once when they did the snip snip, but like I mean, <laughs> is there has there been anything else? Uh yeah uh, yeah for Halloween um. It's interesting, you know, you mentioned grade four as being like that peak. And I, I think you're right, like grade four. Uh, and, and you know, we lived in the middle of nowhere. So I, I'm curious, like um, we're now in, obviously now in the city and, and you're in the city. Uh, but when I was a kid, like when you went trick or treating, you had to go with your parents because you had to drive to all the houses like there was no walking involved. Um, although I do remember my brother basically going he was too cool to go with us. He went with friends and then they basically had their parents drive them into town, drop them off and then they could go trick or treating. Um, obviously our kids are too young to be going out on their own. Is Gwen, Gwen's not at that stage yet where she's going out on her own, right? Like you kind of like are alongside her, uh, trick or treating. Is that still the case? So we had a conversation about this because I kind of asked Gwen, like, I don't know. Like we're right in a, a money trick or treating area. Like sure, we can yeah. hit, we can hit street after street. Like no problem, not a big deal. Um, it's as you say, completely different than what I experienced, which was the drive around. Um, so I just, I sort of said to Gwen because she also has friends that live in the area. I said to her, you know, like because she's she wants to go hard this year, and she's worried about Clara. She's like, oh, I don't know, Clara gets tired, and we'll have to go back, and it'll be her bedtime. And I said, well, Gwen, do you is did you want to pair up with like some of your friends, and like I could you know see you out and stuff? And she she was aghast, where she was like, oh no, I need to trick or treat with my family. It was so cute. I was like, oh, that's perfect. Uh, so like, that's why this is like the peak year because at one point she will want to like go out with her friends, but right now she's still like, oh no, I have to go with you guys. Like, I have to uh, to do a family trick or treat. So that's that. You know, that's it's it's challenging for us because because like we got the two girls. They both we want to go out trick or treating with them. But then we're on a major trick-or-treating street ourselves, So it's like nobody's home to give out candies or one takes the two girls out. We tried like doing rotations at one point, but like last year I, I just took the bowl and I put it on the front step and put a note saying, please take one. And I will tell you, Ryan, I don't think the kids just <laughs> took one. No, I think, I think we did like half a lap around the street and I ran back and the bowl was goddamn empty. And I'm like, I, I think somebody took more than one. Yeah. We, uh, 
we so Ashley is uh, awesome when it comes to this, but we basically set up a table outside. And uh, actually, that's probably going to be our routine for the next couple of weeks is whenever we watch a show, uh, we'll have the candy and we'll be prepping little treat bags. And what we do is we'll set out a table out front, line it with the treat bags, and we, we go to the neighbors and it's like, hey, like, can you kind of watch and make sure no one like tries to just dump the candy all into their pillowcase and walk away? And it, it works out pretty well you always have one or two kids that think like oh i'm gonna beat the system and take a bunch of candy but like at the i get where the kids mindset's at but like really like you're gonna take a bunch of like individually wrapped candy bags when you could hit up this whole street and and have more than enough candy than you'd ever need because again we are also in a little area where you can hit up 30 to 40 houses all within walking distance, no problem. And they're all giving out candy. Um, but we do the we do the table and we have neighbors on all sides of the street that can kind of keep an eye out for, for any shenanigans. Um, but at the end of the day, if they take all the candy, they take all the candy, you know? Right. Yeah. No, I mean, somebody like it's part and parcel of the thing. I'm not so frustrated about it, but, but it is, it is a, like we really wouldn't change the experience of walking around with the girls for anything. And it is, it is so fun. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, like I, I, I am excited for it. I also find it's funny. Like Halloween is, um, you know, like Christmas is creeping out. Like, have you noticed that? Like it's now like <laughs> I, you, you, you go in August and you see like they've received the, the, the pharmacies and, and stuff have like their candy, all these big boxes of candy. And I'm like, it's August. Like that, what are you doing? You know, but, but, but they're just like, and then the decorations are there all September pretty much. And then, you know, October 1st, pre- pretty much now, or maybe even the last week of September, people are starting to decorate their houses for Christmas uh, for, for Christmas. For Halloween, and you know what's funny is that that no, like Halloween will happen on the thirty first of October, and then on November first, the next day they will start rolling out into Christmas decorations. You know, like the the <laughs> yeah. house the house next door to me has a sign in front in front of its lawn, and I didn't even know this existed. It's like christmaslights.com or something. It's a company that set comes to your house, sets up all your Christmas lights for you, and or, or like you buy lights from them or they have, I don't know, whatever. But they, this, this company came and put up Christmas lights on this house two doors down and has a lawn sign in front of them advertising it. We're not even Halloween yet, you know? <laughs> yeah, I... um. You're right. It is starting to creep in. And I think Halloween, Halloween's one of those seasons where like it, it doesn't have a lot of competition in September. So it, it has that room to sort of creep in to September. But um, Christmas is the same thing, especially here in Canada. It, November is kind of wide open after uh, Remembrance Day. So uh, and even then, I don't think Christmas, uh, <laughs> Christmas does not respect uh, Remembrance Day like um like we try to wait until after Remembrance Day to to decorate, but um, for Halloween, I I think for us it'll be interesting this year because you know your descriptors of like you know Gwen worried about Clara being a little slow or tired after a bit of walking. We're still in that mode, and I remember last year where Caden and Abby really wanted to keep going, and Isabel was basically like you know 
sleeping in the wagon that we were pulling along because we needed the wagon. Cause again, the kids got so much candy um, to the point where we would have to go home and like empty, which was a whole thing like walking past the house to be like, we got to go inside. We got to empty your candy so that you can get more candy. The kids weren't having it. They thought we were like taking their candy, but no, we were like, we're just having you store it at home so we can go get more. Like we're going to go get more. You like all my candy. (laughs) Yes, exactly. You can't take our candy. It's like, no, like we're allowed. We could just go home or we can go get more. I worked for this candy. I knocked on those people's doors and they gave it to me when I put my hand up. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I like I, one thing that is funny about candy is, um, is that like, so everybody has kind of a different approach. Like I, I kind of let my kids gorge when they get back from Halloween and then we kind of want candy out of the house pretty quick. So like, or as much, you know, we put a lot of candy in their, uh, in their lunches even uh, after, you know, and like try to try to like, they'll come home and be like, can we have some of our candy? And we'll be like, yeah. But then I was talking to my buddy, Mike, and he was like, essentially his son would just bring in like tons and tons of candy, like just power, power through it. And then, and then they would only allow him to have like, you know, I don't know, two pieces or something a day. Um, and you know those Halloween candy things are often pretty small. They, they they put a limit, and essentially he rode it all the way to this Halloween. Uh, so so he <laughs> okay. still has candy from last Halloween. When I was last at Mike's house, which was in the summer, he was like, "Do you want can- Croft? Can I offer Croft and candy for my Halloween?" And I was like, "Holy smokes, you still have." candy and he's like yeah he only has like you know a little bit every every night so to their credit they realize that this is going to be a problem because halloween's rolling back and he still hasn't eaten all his candy and so they've come up with an approach which is that he is able to give them like i think 90 percent of his candy in exchange for a video game uh, so they, Mike's asked me like, do you have any ideas of a video game that, you know, he would like and stuff? I think that's a genius idea because like, as a parent, you're like, first off, like, you know, you're giving him something of worth that he would want, but also it's like, if you know that he's going to like only have a little bit of candy every day, the, the 10% of his candy is going to get him like for two weeks or three weeks or whatever. And then he gives you all the rest of it and you can get it out of the house or whatever. Uh, I think that's a smart, a smart play, but it's just, it goes to show you that everybody has sort of different ways of dealing with candy and like Mm. how much they have. You have three kids. They have different capacities to acquire candy. Like Caden's going to pull in way more candy than Isabel, um, especially right now. And then it's like, you know, how they share it, how they spread it out. Well, dad, I, I got all this candy. I shouldn't have to give any to my sister or whatever. Like po- being the candy police is hard. Yeah, we, um, I think we, so what we normally do is we, they sort the candy. Uh, all the chips go in one big bag. That is the one thing that we kind of like say, like, let's pool all the chips, like the little bags of chips. Um, that usually goes over fine. There's a bit of like wincing, but they're fine with it. But for the candy, we do let it kind of, they have their own supply, but they don't, they don't, they don't control that supply. They can, as you said, 
when we get back, it's already late. It's also on a school night this year. So like, that'll be fun Wednesday for all the teachers feel bad for them. Um, but we let them have some candy on, on the night of Halloween. No problem. Even while we're walking, we'll let them dip into their candy while they're walking too, which they, uh, they love. We never got to do that as a kid. We always had to wait till we got to grandma's, um, at the end of our sort of tour. But, uh, yeah, I've heard that. I saw it on social media. Um, it popped up one of the videos, and I I don't know what they called it, but essentially, like, they had this tradition with kids where, where with their kids where they would they would allow the kids to pick out like their twenty favorite chocolate bars, and the rest of the candy went out on the porch. And then in the morning, it was like the tooth fairy for Halloween. But in the morning, when the kid went to the front porch, they'd see that their candy was turned into a toy or something, you know. That, so that's a similar thing, except you're saying now it's magical and there's some sort of Halloween fairy that yeah, only works yeah. for your house. But I, I do, I, you know, either way, I appreciate how people have different ways of tackling it. I remember like when my brother's doing the trading, like we had horse trading, like essentially we would dump, dump our, our bags and then, you know, so-and-so wouldn't like crispy crunch and somebody else would like, you know, like crunchy or whatever chocolate bars. And we would trade and be like, I'll give you this or that. And the thing is we, Nick and I, so my, I'm the eldest. And then my middle brother got in trouble for like, for essentially taking my youngest brother to the cleaners, you know, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, we'd be like here, here. So you give me, you know, this is a good deal. I'll give you, this little bag of chips and you give me 10 of your candy bars, you know, um, uh, you know, like it's just, we would just take it. It's just even, even at one point catch on. And then, you know, the party was over, but, but it's just, it is, it, it is a fun. I just find Halloween, everything about it is fun. Like I know that there's commercialism. I know there's, but there's no like religion, religious overtone attached to it it's just like a scary spooky atmospheric holiday that allows you to get you know like as a kid it's exciting you get candy as adults you go to halloween parties everybody's dressed up in these crazy costumes uh you know like it's the one time it's a time as an adult that you can have a little bit of of fun and like in canada you know, we have a lot of like we're we're having more and more like downer holidays, like Remembrance Day. No offense, I I always harp on Remembrance Day, but it's like it is it is a solemn period. It's not it's not obviously not fun. Christmas is fun in a different way, but like I was trying to talk to my kids about Thanksgiving. I I, I was like, hey guys, like we're gonna go to my we're gonna go to to your dad's cousins, and all your second cousins are gonna be there. We're gonna have a huge Thanksgiving meal. It's gonna be a real fast. They were both like, this sucks, and I'm like, no, no, it's gonna be good. But I remember also not giving a shit about Thanksgiving when I was a kid because, like, what's in it for me? I'm not getting toys. I'm not getting candy. What am I getting? Oh, you're getting the gift of family. I'm like, that's bullshit. I don't want that. I want the. I, I get the gift of family all the goddamn time. I want. What, what am I getting out of it? Whereas Halloween is the one that you get something out of, but it's not actually a holiday. It's not off. So you're also going to school or work, and people are dressed up and, and all of that so anyway i like halloween i think it's a good i think it's a good time i'm looking forward to it this year it seems like it's more and more fun as the kids get older i am a little like 
Like I know grade four is peak Halloween, not to say that grade five will suck or grade six, but I know that we're getting closer and closer to then Gwen being like, I want to trick or treat with my friends, you know, and, and I will be sad when that happens. Yeah. Um, it, the other thing about Halloween that I always enjoyed was um, you mentioned the school bit. Like, I think it's changed a little bit. Like in my experience, like when, when I was going to school, Halloween was basically, it took over the day. There wasn't really studies. It just turned into like Halloween festivities. There was still like classes and stuff, but I, and I, and it went right through into high school too. And I just really, I really liked that portion of the holiday too. You know, and I think that um, I think Caden and Abby really enjoy, you know, the school aspect of, of it as well. And uh, that's always fun to to see and 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 hear about. And <laughs> it does kind of turn into like, what costume do they have for school? And what costume do they have for trick or treating? Because there are different rules, you know, like you're not allowed to wear a mask at school and, and you can't have anything too, no bloody makeup or whatever. It's got to be it can't be too, too bad. But um it's uh it's such a fun holiday and like you said the kids have such a blast and i think it'll be interesting to see this year like how far we make it because like we've never really like we've never really done the whole neighborhood we usually make it up and around the bend but there's like still so much more to go to um and it'll be interesting to see if isabel like i even said to ashley like well maybe one of us can just take isabel back and then you know kate and abby can go a little bit more because they are at that age where they can go a little bit further. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I, we haven't actually talked about our trick-or-treating plans yet, but uh, I think it will be extended a little bit more this year. Well, that's going to wrap for Halloween, I think, Ryan. Like, I, I'm uh, I'm excited for it. You were excited for it. We're going to do it. It's going to be great. Uh I feel like I feel like if listeners want to share what they're going to do on Halloween or even how their Halloweens went this year, we can uh, we can check the old mailbag, which has been kind of sparse lately. So would encourage uh, folks um, to to write in. They can do that. Uh, uh, first off, they can they can uh, follow the show. Um, follow the show. Look, Ryan. Look, I thought I could make it through the whole show without the. Uh, Without the business, you know, like the notes, the, uh, the notes. On. I was like, I'm like, come on, Crofton, you can do it. it's okay. Okay, let me see. I've done this only 50 times before, so <laughs> you can. We, so we both have Twitter accounts. You can follow Ryan at R Murphy, yes, and you can follow me at Crofton Steers, and the show has a Twitter account at DD Cast. Oh. I got it. I mean, I definitely didn't just open up the notes. It's so funny that I just noticed you weren't in the notes this whole time. Yeah, just 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 now I just found these notes. You can visit us at the web, tgistudios.com slash dad. You can email the show. That's what I'm saying. Email your Halloween stories to the show. to dad at tgistudios.com. Again, Ryan is at R. Murphy. I'm at Croft and Steers. That's going to do it for this week. Uh, Dungeons and Diapers. Next time you, you you hear from us, you will know who won uh, the great showdown of the event dads. Likely me, obviously, but we don't know for sure, but probably me. Um, so uh, we will look forward to talking to you all then. Ryan, have a happy and safe Halloween. You know, nothing scarier than what you've been through lately. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. 
It's true. Although our next episode will likely still be before Halloween, but you never know. Ooh. Maybe. Ooh. Maybe. So uh, scary next episode. Skeptical face. Ryan's like, I undid my vasectomy. I'm like, God damn it, Ryan. We didn't even make one episode. You're like, yeah, I couldn't stick to it. Um, all right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Snip, snip. Snip, snip.